We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. If you're joining me live, coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. Let's talk some Lakers basketball. If you are listening to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe. We've gotten some really kind ratings lately or reviews i guess i should say that have been coming in really appreciated going through and reading those over on apple Podcasts. great way to help out the show so if you guys don't mind drop a little five star rating and a review we would certainly appreciate that over on apple Podcasts. we've got a lot to talk about right now as we're doing this show again nine o'clock pacific time on a wednesday the nuggets and warriors are battling the warriors trying to end their series they're up three to one but right now as of this moment the Nuggets have an 83-79 lead with about eight minutes to play in the fourth quarter. So we'll be keeping some tabs on that. But I want to remind everybody of our schedule for the summer, for the offseason. This will change just a little bit. Nothing will be taken away, but will be changed just a little bit when we get into trade season, the draft, all that sort of stuff. Um, we do have shows Monday night at 9 o'clock, Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock, that's Pacific time, and then Friday, 2 p.m. Pacific time, we kick off the weekend with our afternoon show, Fridays, we have we have fun Fridays, 2 o'clock Pacific time, so again, 9 o'clock on Mondays, 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, 2 o'clock on Fridays, and then tomorrow we're going to do a Twitter Spaces as well. I think we're going to have that right around be about 1.30 or so Pacific time. We're going to do a Twitter Spaces. So if you're on Twitter, I'm going to have the Lakers Nation crew joining me and we'll come and talk and you can come on stage and talk then. I do have a number of things that I want to talk about. Um, there's there, some rumblings going on around the NBA about whether or not we have now jumped the shark, so to speak. Have we, have we gotten to ridiculous levels of star power in the NBA. And I don't mean star in terms of star power as far as, you know, how much pull they've got in the in Hollywood and that sort of thing. I'm talking about within organizations. Do superstars control teams too too much? And I think LeBron James, the Los Angeles Lakers, certainly uh, an example of this situation. And a lot of this is stemming from Brooklyn. This isn't a Lakers-only thing. But Kyrie Irving had a comment after the Nets were eliminated by those guys in green 
And he mentioned that he and Kevin Durant managed the Nets. That's the word he used. They managed the Nets. He said, along with Sean Marks and Joe Tsai, who's the, the owner and the GM, respectively, uh, that they managed the Nets. And that raised a lot of eyebrows. Look, there's, there's a lot of star-level players that have a lot of power in the NBA. There's no question. Um, a lot of star-level players that have a lot of power. LeBron James certainly being one of them. I mean, you could say maybe rightfully so. But when Kyrie out just outright says, we're managing the team, that goes a bit further than, hey, we check in with our stars before we make a move. This goes into the Nets being run by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and them having more of an official role. And of course, that adds that lends to a lot of questions about the Lakers and the role that LeBron James has, Anthony Davis has. I mean, we've heard the stories. Rob Polinka, the Lakers haven't hidden this. Rob Polinka has flat out said that when he's going to make a move, he's texting LeBron, he's texting AD. He's finding out what their opinion is, asking them about certain guys. They're getting involved. LeBron James last summer, last summer, he held meetings in his house with prospective trade targets. He had a meeting with Damian Lillard. He met with Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron, having meetings on behalf of the organization. And I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with that, but the problem, the problem is this. The problem is what happens when what's best for LeBron is not what's best for the Lakers. What happens when what is best for Kyrie is not what's best for the Nets? What happens then? Because we are entering an era of unprecedented superstar power, and the NBA brought this upon themselves. Eric Pincus, the, the great Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report, did a, an article all about this, wrote this up. And I did a video a little bit ago about this situation, about the front office now pointing fingers at Clutch Sports. The Lakers front office is basically operating internally as though the Russell Westbrook trade is Clutch Sports' fault, that they were the ones putting on the pressure to go get Russ, and we see the way that that played out. It's going a little bit out of the way to sort of pass the buck. Ultimately, the front office has their decision, right? They're going to make whatever decision they are going to make. Whether or not LeBron, what, regardless of what LeBron says, he can't pull the trigger on anything. Rob Palenka can't. Jeannie Buss can They can say, yes, we want to make this trade, or no, we don't, and they can actually do it. LeBron James can say, I would like you to make this trade. Now, LeBron can use his influence in order to get the Lakers to do things. He could say, hey, if you make this trade, I will sign an extension with you in August. If not, see you later. I'm out. Right? That's, that's a lot of pressure that you can put on an organization when you are LeBron James. And we've seen him do this throughout his career. But again, I think this summer, we could be at a critical juncture. Because up until this point, for the most part, What's been best for LeBron has been what's been best for the Lakers. Those two things have been in lockstep. Those two things have been tied together. And so it's been great. So it's been great. Look, hey, we had to sacrifice Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, all these future picks in order to get LeBron a team that can win a championship. But you know what? They won a championship. Okay, great. They won a championship. Mission accomplished, right? What was best for LeBron was also best for the Lakers. Now we saw this past offseason where LeBron said, I want Russ. The Lakers had a deal lined up to get Buddy Heald. The last minute they said, well, we're going to do what LeBron wants. We're going to get Russell Westbrook. Now, LeBron wasn't trying to do anything to negatively impact the organization. He obviously felt like that was going to work, and it didn't. And it didn't. Not everybody's right all the time. 
can forgive him for, for that if he was the one pushing for it. And again, ultimately, the front office, they're the ones that have to take responsibility because they're the ones that make the final decision, regardless of what LeBron says. But now... Now we're heading into an offseason. You've got one year left of LeBron James on your roster. You've got Russell Westbrook, who I think most would assume will not be back next year. The Lakers are going to do everything they can to move him. But what about the cost? What if the cost involves moving a 2027 draft pick and the 2029 draft pick could be in play as well? What if you're doing that and you don't feel like those are things that are going to help you necessarily win a championship? And LeBron says... I want you to do this. For LeBron, does the 2027 and 2029 draft pick matter at all? Does he place any value on them? Probably not. Probably not. Because most likely, I mean, look, maybe he's not human, but most likely he's not going to be playing at that point. He doesn't care what happens to the Lakers in 2027 or 2029, but the organization has to. The organization has to care about those things. So what happens when LeBron wants the Lakers to do something and he's got an extension sitting on the table in August to give him that, that leverage over the organization and they're in a situation where they don't want to do something that's necessarily going to hurt their team down the road. Now, hopefully that's not a bridge that we have to cross. Hopefully, whatever comes along this summer, the Lakers, LeBron, they're in agreement. Hopefully you can find something that helps you right now, but you can also say helps you in the future. Or maybe the Lakers just say, you know what? LeBron, we don't care either. We want another championship. Make it happen this year. We're going to cash everything in. Let's go. Maybe they decide that on their own. But we also could see an inflection point here where what LeBron wants and what the Lakers want are no longer the same thing. And this, this situation where the front office is already pointing fingers at Clutch Sports and saying they're the ones, this terrible move, it's not the only problem the Lakers had this offseason, but this horrible move to get Russell Westbrook, this was what really derailed things, and it's their fault. They were the ones that, that pushed us to do this, and now they're going to want us to give up future stuff, to spend future assets in order to fix it, in order to fix the problem that they created. We're going to have to pay the price for it. That, that line of thinking leads you to a critical juncture this summer and watching how how all that plays out is going to be very very interesting to see what the lakers do they're going to have to make some decisions here and ultimately it may just be lebron james is lebron james he is maybe the greatest player of all time depending on who you talk to and we just need to go with what what he wants and and let's go see if we can win another, another championship maybe that's the decision that they make but regardless, we know the Lakers will be active out on the trade front. They'll be active on the market, doing everything they can to try to fix this. Certainly don't want to experience the worst season in Lakers history again. That's what we just saw, in my mind, was the worst season in Lakers history. They're going to want to fix things. But at what cost? What's the cost that they're willing to pay? And what's the cost that LeBron wants them to pay or is going to want them to pay? Clutch sports. What's the cost clutch sports? is going to want them to pay. These are all important questions that I think we're going to have to keep a very close eye on as we head into this offseason. Now, again, maybe this ultimately turns into, as Sam Amick mentioned, uh, maybe this becomes LeBron just plays out 2023, the 2022-2023 season, and he's a free agent. And then we see what happens from there. Maybe he signs on another year. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he goes someplace else. Maybe we enter the Cleveland Cavaliers territory this is what LeBron did to the Cavs forever. 
where he kept just doing one-year deals in order to keep that leverage over the organization. Maybe we see LeBron start to go back to that path if he feels like that's the way that he needs to influence things to get things done, regardless of what that means for future draft picks. And that may not even be the worst strategy, by the way. Look at the Rams, right? Look at the Rams. F them picks, right? And they won a Super Bowl. It's worth it. If you win a championship, it's worth it. I think there's no questions there. So I'm not even saying that even if LeBron says the future is whatever, we don't care, deal these picks. If it gets you a championship, it's worth it. But if it doesn't, if the moves that are out there are ones that you don't think is going to help you win a championship and you're getting pushed to do them anyway, hmm. that's, my friends, that's where things could get very interesting between the Lakers and LeBron James. Uh, Ricardo PG with a super chat, thank you very much, said, what would be your ideal offseason? So my ideal offseason, and I've been saying this for a little while now, I'm not chasing stars. I think we may be at a point now where we're transitioning away from the big three model around the NBA. The NBA is a copycat league. It's a league where one team figures something out and then another team does and then another and then another. Look, the seven seconds or less suns by now as they brought in the era of small ball, as they brought in the three-point shooting and the faster pace and all these sorts of things that have directly and indirectly created the way the NBA looks right now stylistically. That team would actually be a very slow-paced team right now because teams have taken that and ran with it. But what they did was working and so other teams started copying that and next thing you know we've got a bunch of bigs that shoot threes and we've got uh our, our two two main guys going for the mvp award our seven foot centers that can shoot from behind the arc and can pass and do all these sorts of things it's a fun era don't get me wrong but i'm saying the nba is a, is a copycat league so when we look at what's successful out there right now is it the big three no the lakers are at home the nets are at home the big three era, it's on life support right now. What is instead thriving, you look at, for example, the Boston Celtics, you look at the Miami Heat. So you take a star or two teams like that. The Phoenix Suns could be in this mix too. And you surround them with the right pieces, the right role players. You don't have to have three megawatt superstars anymore. That's not, the, that's not what it is. Now, I'm not saying that would be the worst thing in the world if you had three of the very, very best players, but we're seeing teams needing to be more and more well-rounded. And I think part of that is because of the diversification of the offense and how difficult it is for teams to lock in defensively possession after possession when offenses are getting so, so good at recognizing any mistakes that defenses make. So if you have anybody who is below average Anybody who is a weak link, they're going to get picked on mercilessly. I mean, how many times did we see Carmelo Anthony targeted defensively this past season? A ton. Malik Monk targeted defens defensively. If you have any kind of weak link, they will go right after that. And so having balance is all the more important. You've got to have a balanced approach. So two stars and a roster stocked with players who complement them on both ends of the floor, two-way players, that's becoming more and more important, and I think more important than having three stars. Shocking, right? Going back to the model the Lakers used in order to win a championship in 2020. But remember, that was never their goal. Their goal was never to create that team. Their goal was to, to create a team built around LeBron, 
Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. And even before that, it was LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. And of course, we all know how that played out. But the Lakers had the big three in their head forever. And so when 2020 came along and they won a championship, they decided to still chase a third star, thinking that that ultimately was the best thing. They zigged while the NBA zagged, and I think that the two-star approach is becoming more and more the norm. So because of that, I think that, for me, the ideal offseason would be find guys who fit along LeBron and AD. Don't worry about finding another star. Give me depth. Give me guys who can do two things, who can defend and can shoot. That's it. Just defend and shoot. If you can do those two things, you can play on this team. That's what you're looking for. Ideally, you want players with size. Ideally, you want players with athleticism. And ideally, they can do more things than that. But if they can do at least those two things, you can put them alongside LeBron and you can find success. So that is what I'm looking for. I think this season's Lakers had too many guys who could do one or the other, who could defend or shoot, but not both. You got to find both. Tall ask. I know. Not easy. Not easy. By the way, quick update. Four minutes to play. Warriors up 88 to 84 at this moment, trying to finish off the Denver Nuggets. Chris Navarro said, defend and shoot. Oh, you mean the 2020 Lakers? That's exactly what I mean. I mean, you take the model that has worked and that's what you do and you go with it. You run with that exact model. All right. Let me see what else we've got coming in here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, somebody said, can we trade Trevor? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think you could. I probably wouldn't have a ton of trade value. I'm not going to try to overvalue myself or anything like that. Look, if I could help in some way to bring the right pieces into town, hey, I will volunteer as tribute. But I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of value out there on the uh, on the trade block. Uh, Ash Josh said the two-star approach with PG and Kawhi. Yep. Another good example of a two-star approach and what that's what that's doing. All right, let's see what else we've got here. People are talking about the Warriors game. I do want to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook and what it would look like if he declines that player option. That's not very likely to happen, but it could. It could. Uh, Bori said, shooting, size on the wings, athletic centers. That's what we need. Agreed. 
Agreed. I think you can use all of those things. The question is, where do you want to put most of your attention? Is it finding that size? Is it finding the shooting? Is it the center position? What are you looking for, first and foremost? Uh, Ricardo, PG, who would you give the mid-level? Gary Payton II, Robert Covington, someone else. Yeah, if we're talking about the taxpayer mid-level, which is most likely what the Lakers are going to have, I do want to get into the cap ramifications of what it would look like if Russell Westbrook decided, for whatever reason, to not pick up his player option. Again, very unlikely. But I want to go down that path and explore what that would look like and what that would mean for the Lakers. But most likely, we're going to be talking about the Lakers with the taxpayer mid-level. Gary Payton II is certainly interesting. Former Laker. Uh, Robert Covington, though, is a guy that I would like a lot. And he's not an offensive dynamo or anything like that. But the switchability on the defensive end of the floor, he's long been a guy that I've looked at and said that would be a nice fit with Anthony Davis. So if you can get him, great. I think he'll wind up staying with the Clippers. I think that's what we're going to see happen. But if there was a way to land him, I would certainly be for that. Uh, Lil Yoni from YouTube, the Super Chat, said... Should the Lakers do a three-team trade with the Atlanta Hawks and Indiana Pacers? Westbrook going to Indiana, Davis to Atlanta. What are you getting back? What are you getting back in that scenario? Trading Russ and AD, you've got to be getting a lot back to do that. So who are you getting back in that type of situation uh, if you're going to give away Anthony Davis? Better be getting... I'm assuming if the Pacers are involved, we're talking Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald on the, on the Westbrook side of things. But then AD to the Hawks? What are you getting in return there? Are we talking about John Collins? Are we talking about Clint Capella? I mean, the Hawks aren't going to part with Trey Young. You're looking at getting some of their wings, guy like maybe a Kevin Herter, a former Laker, very, very temporarily Laker, DeAndre Hunter. Actually had, what, 35 points last night? Interesting. Interesting idea. I don't think the Lakers move Anthony Davis. I've been saying it for a while. I think it would take Anthony Davis and or LeBron going to the Lakers and saying, we, I'd like to be traded in order for the Lakers to move either one of them. They look at it as a partnership with both of those guys. And so I don't think either one of them gets moved unless they ask to be moved. I think that's probably what we what would have to happen. Yeah, somebody said AD is not going anywhere. People, please stop. Yeah, I don't think Anthony Davis does ultimately get traded. I don't think the Lakers feel like they could get the right value for him to make it worthwhile to move on from him. Score update here, 94-90 Warriors. We're going to look and see if the Warriors can get this thing done and uh, and close out the Denver Nuggets and then move on to the next round. A lot of you in the chat right now are talking about clutch sports and how they if they run the Lakers or not. I think that's also an important dynamic. So we're seeing agencies get more and more involved these days. And none of this, I mentioned this earlier, none of this was on purpose. None of this was done by the NBA intentionally to create this system where suddenly the stars have all of this power and all this leverage over teams to the point where teams are now telling stars, hey, you can run things as a way to get them to come on board. I mean, the Nets certainly did it with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Hey, you guys want to pick your teammates? You want to pick your coach? Let us know. Steve Nash is a Kevin Durant guy. Worked with him with the Warriors. Interesting how that happens, right? This current version of the NBA, where stars have this much power, it's not what, what was intended. What happened was owners, initially, we had, we had contracts that were much, much longer. It's seven-year contracts at one point. Seven-year deals. 
And the problem was a guy would get a seven-year contract and then they get hurt in year three, year two, something like that. And then they're not the same. And next thing you know, you've got five years of a guy still under contract and he's no longer performing at that level. And NBA owners said, we don't, this is not good. We don't want this. And so they pushed for shorter contracts. That was one of the things that the NBPA gave in on. That was a bargaining chip that they gave in on during the CBA negotiations. And the side effect has been more player movement. The side effect has been more opportunities to be free agents, which means the true star level players have been able to get together more and say, hey, we have more opportunities to be free agents. We have more mobility within this league to go to whichever team we want to go to. That gives us power because there's only so many of these star level players around the league. And so now you've got more and more teams that are willing to do whatever it is that that star player wants. I mean, heck, look, the Lakers have done it too. Look at not just the relationship with LeBron. Look back in the day when the Lakers got rid of Byron Scott and they didn't hire another head coach right away. They were going around the league, canvassing the league, trying to see, okay, hey, star level player X, come on board. Come on board and we don't have a coach yet. You can help us pick. The things that teams are willing to now do in order to get the favor of these star level players. It is not the environment that was being in, in, created intentionally. It's been a side effect, one that they didn't necessarily expect. And I think it's going to come up again in the new collective bargaining agreement in a few years because we've seen so much of this going on. In addition to the Ben Simmons thing, the Kyrie Irving thing, it's already starting, there's starting to be rumblings about, you know, maybe tying contracts to games played, things of that nature. So all of these things are going to be extremely important. Uh, as we get into eventually a new CBA, but it's also a factor for what's going on with the Lakers right now. Uh, Lil Yoni, the super chat, thank you, said, if you were the GM of the Lakers, who would you go out and get with the cap space that the Lakers have? So again, Robert Covington is a guy that I'm looking at. Otto Porter Jr. is another guy I'd be looking at. Again, bigger wing players that have that kind of ability to go out there and do some things for you. Uh, Gary Harris isn't exactly the size that you want, but if you find yourself lacking at the guard position of Malik Monk goes, maybe you can get him on some kind of a deal, especially if it's a shorter term deal. That might be a guy that, that might have some interest in the Lakers. So those are the, the types of players that I'm looking at. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is another guy. If you're looking at a big, he's already a clutch sports client. So maybe there's a connection there that you could go take him from the Portland Trailblazers. I think ultimately he probably stays with Portland. But maybe that's an option if you decide that you're going to spend on a big or you can't find the wings that you want. It's a very thin free agent class. And that's going to create a challenge this summer as well for not just the Lakers, but for a lot of teams. There's just not very many players out there that are really worth spending on, but there's also not a lot of cap space out there. And that might be a factor in the free agency of Malik Monk, Jalen Brunson, some of these guards that are going to be out there on the market. But there's just not that many guys out there that you can add in free agency and say, this guy, this guy takes us to a whole other level. So with that being the case, I think we're going to see a lot more trades. I think there's a lot of teams that feel like they're very close. And so we're going to see teams willing to deal. The question is, will there be any teams that emerge that say we are a Russell Westbrook away or we are uh, a rebuild away from really getting things done and Russ's contract can help us in that? That is going to be the biggest domino for the Lakers is figuring out what they do with Russ and then going from there. So that's what I'm doing right now. If, I, if I'm the Lakers GM, first and foremost, I'm figuring out what path I'm taking with Russell Westbrook. 
And then I go from there to try to build out the roster with those kind of two-way defensive players that can also give you a little bit of floor spacing. 21 seconds left. Looks like the Warriors are going to get this done. 99 to 94 over the Denver Nuggets as of this moment. All right. I do want to take a second here. I'm keeping an eye on the, uh, the Nuggets game as it's going on, the Warriors game. So it looks like the Warriors will indeed advance to the next round here. We're starting to see, you know, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks move on. We're starting to get closer and closer to the second round of the NBA playoffs. Yep, there it is. That'll do it. Warriors win. Dame Blaze with a super chat said LeBron and a 2027 first for Nikola Jokic. I don't think Denver is going to do that. Denver loves Nikola Jokic. They're going to stick with him. I think he's going to win the MVP again this season. So I don't see them moving on from him. I do want to pause for just a moment here to talk about prize picks. One of our great sponsors. So if you haven't heard of prize picks, it's daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too. In fact, Matt, the optimist Peralta, who's just on our last show was just messaging me uh, about some, some uh, picks that he had made in prize picks, the selections that he made that, have, that he had won on. All you got to do is pick a few players, pick the over and under, decide if you want to pick the over or the under. And if you're right, you're, you win. It's super, super simple, very easy to fill out your selections and again it's a lot of fun it adds to your involvement in the game and particularly for lakers fans right now when we're watching these playoff games but it's not the lakers so if you want to increase your involvement increase the fun in these games prize picks can be a great way to do that and the great thing is because you're watching this show you actually get a special offer you get a 100 deposit match up to 100 all you have to do is use our promo code lakers nation again use the promo code lakers nation get a deposit match up to $100 and you can even cross sports. So if you really like the Mavs and you think the Mavs are going to do well in this next game, Luca is going to blow up. You could take the over on Luca and take the over on Mookie Betts if you're a Dodgers fan, which is really cool. You can put together a card that puts together multiple sports so that can increase your involvement and your engagement in the games. Again, check out prizepicks.com. Use that promo code LakersNation. Get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Great, great deal. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. As always, guys, we appreciate you guys supporting the companies that help support us. So go check out prizepicks.com and use that promo code Lakers Nation. All right, let's see what else we've got coming in here. I've got James Bell with a super chat said fans of the organization underappreciate stars coming to the organization, helping them win the title. Uh, once they are useless, they're ready to get rid of them unlike homegrown uh fans of the organization underappreciate stars coming to the organization helping them so you're saying that that the lakers and lakers fans are underappreciative of stars who come by who are more seen as some people see lebron as more of like a mercenary because he wasn't wasn't drafted by the lakers it wasn't like he was a young player when he came on board and the lakers watched him develop lakers fans did he came on towards the end of his career is that what you're talking about because there there is that thing but i think part of that is wrapped up in the whole lebron kobe thing where a lot of people were were reluctant to lebron coming to town because they're, they're like no, you'll never be Kobe. You'll never be Kobe to us. That's never going to be a thing. We didn't really want you here. That type of thing. I saw that argument a lot, which of course never made all that much sense because yes, LeBron will never be Kobe. He couldn't, no matter what he did from the moment LeBron came to LA, he was not going to equal Kobe. It wasn't going to happen. Not in the hearts and minds of Lakers fans. Kobe has two decades of equity with Lakers fans. You're not topping that 
with a few seasons at the end of LeBron's career. There was nothing he could do to change that. He was never coming in to take over from Kobe or to take fans away from Kobe or any of that kind of stuff. But as far as underappreciating stars who come on board, part of that too is we become a little bit a little bit jaded, right? I mean, there's so many players who are absolutely incredible have put on the purple and gold that it's almost easy to forget how difficult it is to actually find those players and bring those players in. You look at this franchise's history and it is filled with the best of the best of the best. And that's part of the thing that's great about being a Lakers fan is you've been able to see so many of these incredible players throughout the decades. You've been able to see these players. But again, the natural effect of that, and maybe it's unfortunate, is that you wind up maybe dismissing the impact of having a superstar player. You don't know what it's got, what you've got till it's gone. Think back to what, five years ago when the Lakers didn't have a star and we're all praying that Brandon Ingram would be the next big thing, hoping that the next guy, the Lakers draft would, would really hit and lead them out of this terrible era where they weren't winning. Not a fun time to be in, not a fun time to be in. Although I will say this past season was worse than that. That's for sure. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. Uh, Ricardo said, Trev, I'd insist on Jeremy Grant. Go after Jeremy Grant. THT, none and a pick for Jeremy Grant, plus whatever we can get out of Russ to, can take us to the next level. Look, if that's there, sure, I'm interested in that, but I think you've got a few problems with Jeremy Grant. So he was one of the most sought-after players at the trade deadline. So many teams were after him. So many teams wanted Jeremy Grant because teams want these 3 and D style Wing players that have the size, the switchability, can shoot a bit from outside, can score at multiple levels. Jeremy Grant can do those things. So you've got a challenge there in that there's going to be a lot of competition for him. He's going to be on the market again this summer. A lot of teams are going to be trying to trade for him. So you're going to have a lot of competition to get him. With that being the case, I think the Lakers offer will be beaten. I think somebody will offer more. Portland has already been a team that has been very, very strongly connected to Jeremy Grant. And they got a lot of stuff at the trade deadline. I don't think they got enough. But still, they got stuff at the trade deadline. They're going to try to repackage those things and go get players that can help uh, Damian Lillard win right now. That's one team. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be after Jeremy Grant. The other complicating factors, and there's two of them here, is that Jeremy Grant's going to want a big new contract. Once he gets, it gets to wherever he goes, you've got to be willing to commit long-term to him. That's what he's going to want. And you can question, is he that alpha 1A guy that you really want to commit long-term money to? I don't know. And you can make the argument that maybe he's just a great fit moving forward. And yes, you should go with a long-term deal for him, but it's just a, it's a factor. And then we've already heard that he doesn't want to be like the fourth guy. He doesn't want to be the fourth guy on a team. He doesn't want to be the third guy. He wants to be the one or the two. And on a Lakers team that already has LeBron and Anthony Davis, he's not going to be the one or the two. And so that could be a hurdle to overcome as well. Again, I'm not saying all those things to, to mean you don't go after Jeremy Grant. You absolutely do. You've tried to see if you can get a deal done, figure it out. THT, Kendrick Nunn, a pick, something like that. Is that enough? Probably not, but you, you try. You might as well try. Give it a shot. See if you can get him. Because I think he would be a good fit. Mamba mentality throws out Jeremy Grant wants to be the first option. Yeah, exactly. And, and Tina Jeeman as well. Grant doesn't want to be the second fiddle. Yeah, he would prefer to be the first, maybe second you could talk him into. He doesn't want to be, and look, that's his choice. That's his choice. If he says, you know what? All I want to do is win championships. I don't care if I'm the fourth option on offense. I will fit into whatever system I want. All I want to do is win. 
Okay, that's one way to look at it. Jeremy Grant is going another way. And as long as he's forthcoming about it, just look, I, I don't want to go somewhere and take a step back on the offensive end of the floor. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but that's important to him. Does that fit with what the Lakers need? Or are you going to get a guy who's unhappy in his role? And then you've got another issue to deal with down the road. Again, not saying you don't try and you don't see because he's certainly good enough to where it's worth finding out. But I think it's a factor that you have to consider. If you're going to go after a player, the quality of Jeremy Grant, you better know whether or not he's going to stay. Because if not, he hits free agency. He could very well take off if he decides that he's not happy with his role on the team. Let's see what else we've got here. Oh, Eric says Damian Jones, my guy. Yes. I would love to see Damian Jones back again. You're not going to go break the bank to get Damian Jones, but his skill set, pretty much what the Lakers could use. I was disappointed. The Lakers let him go last season was hoping they wouldn't. I know the Lakers were hoping the Kings would not pick up his option for this year. They thought they weren't going to. We probably had that not happened. Had the Kings not picked up his option, Damian Jones, the Lakers would have gone after him. And we probably would have seen a Lakers team with Damian Jones rather than DeAndre Jordan. I think when Damian Jones' option got picked up, that was when the Lakers switched and went over to DeAndre Jordan. Instead, I would have much rather had Damian Jones. And hey, look, if they can get him, if they can get him, I'd love to see it. If they can get him, I would love to see it. But I would not assume that's going to happen. Somebody said, when Jeff Jeff said, we really love Damian Jones. Look, I know there's some players, everybody's got these players in the NBA that you just irrationally love this player on your team. And I, Christian Wood is the guy that I've brought up a lot that I would love to see over on the Lakers. Again, I'm probably too far into being, being a, a supporter of that player coming to the Lakers to where I'm probably a little bit biased on that. So again, I will readily admit that, but Hey, I like his skill set. Damian Jones, Christian Wood as well. I think they'd be nice fits for the right, right price. Jeff, Jeff, we signed Drummond over Damian Jones. I know. I know. And by the way, I don't think letting Drummond go this last offseason was the right move. I think you would rather have, and I don't, this isn't a hot take, you would rather have Andre Drummond than DeAndre Jordan. What, 27, 28 year old Andre Drummond? over DeAndre Jordan, it made no sense to let him go. Now, maybe he wanted to leave. Maybe he wanted, but if he was willing to play for a veteran minimum for the Lakers and the Lakers said, no, we don't really like that fit. We'd rather go get DeAndre Jordan. That's a concern. That's that's definitely a concern. Even if Drummond's skill set isn't exactly what you were looking for, you kind of see what the Lakers were going for in terms of a pick and roll big that can be a lob threat. That's not really Drummond, but he's certainly more impactful regardless of whether or not that's the exact skill set you were looking for. Lilioni said, we need Jeannie Buss to go to Trevor Lane for advice on how to get the Lakers to a contending team, to be a contending team. I'm a big fan of Trevor Lane and Lakers Nation. Well, thank you. I, I certainly appreciate that. Thank you for the, the kind words. Um, look, I, I am right there with you guys. I just hope the Lakers can turn this thing around this offseason. They can right the wrongs of the past and we can get back to fun Lakers basketball because basketball, it can be fun. It was agonizing this last offseason, even for me. And I'm so fortunate to get to do this. It was hard to sit through some of these games. So I don't blame people that had said, you know what? I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to keep paying attention to this team. This is awful. This is not enjoyable to watch. Again, I think it was the worst season in, in Lakers history. So I just hope that we get things back on track. Um, things are a lot more complicated too than just, like if I actually went into the front office and was trying to make decisions, things are more complicated than even just 
this is what we look at on paper because there's relationships involved with certain agencies. There's relationships with players figuring out what the right moves are. It's even more complicated than just managing the salary cap and finding the right guys and kind of picking and choosing a la carte which players you want on your roster. It's certainly not that simple, but it would still be quite a bit of fun. Uh, let's see. Ozzy said, can the Lakers get Thad Young with a veteran minimum? I don't know. He's a, I, I love the target. And if you can get him on a veteran minimum, 100%. Yes. Yes. It, it's an instant no-brainer. Yes. Sign him up. But I think his skill set is interesting enough to where he may get more than the veteran minimum. I could see something like that happening with Thad Young, where he just gets more money uh, from another team. Maybe somebody's willing to offer the taxpayer mid-level, which will be uh, $5 million and change. Maybe it'd be about six. Or if they might be willing to offer him even a full taxpayer mid-level. Somebody could. I don't know if a veteran minimum is going to be enough. And with the Lakers having such a poor season this year, I think their options, unless they do something dramatic on the trade or the free agent market, I think their options aren't going to be what they've been in the past. Like how many players right now do you think are looking at the Lakers and saying, oh, I'll take less to go pay for that, to play for that team? Probably not many. Probably not many free agents out there saying, I want to give up money to play for the Lakers. That looks like a lot of fun. Let me go join that. Not after the season they just had. So I think seeing how the Lakers play things out in terms of free agency is going to be interesting. I like the target, Thad Young. I think he'd be a nice fit. I don't know if the Lakers get there, though, to get him. Do you want to give up your full taxpayer mid-level to get him? Maybe you could spend that elsewhere. We'll see. Mark, Mark, is Lance Stevenson a free agent? Can we get him? Uh, let me check on on that with the, the Pacers. I don't remember if they gave him a multi-year deal or not off the top of my head. Lance Stevenson, I don't know if bringing him back to LA. He's the guy who just plays. Uh, no, he's got an expiring deal. So he would be a free agent, but he's the guy who plays so well in Indiana. I, I didn't dislike his stint with the Lakers. Look, it was fun when he got the three guitar going and everything, but I don't know if he'd be high on my list of guys to go after for the Lakers. I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but I'm saying there's other guys that I would be be talking to first before I go after Elaine Stevenson. Uh, Lords of the Sky with a super chat. Thank you. Said, how's it going, Trevor? That's going pretty well. Going pretty well. Enjoying the offseason as much as I can. I wish the Lakers were still playing though. Uh, how do you think Frank Vogel, or do you think Frank Vogel is a head coach next season? I don't. I don't think Frank Vogel is a head coach next season. I don't think he is. You look at uh, look around the NBA. How many spots are there? The Lakers. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, then you've got the Sacramento Kings. Okay. And then you've got the Charlotte Hornets. Are either one of those teams going to pick Frank Vogel? They're probably going to look for like a player development guy. Maybe the Kings will look for a guy that could put him over the top. But the last time the Kings took a coach from the Lakers, it was Luke Walton. And that didn't go so well. So I have to imagine they probably don't go back to that well. So I would take the Kings most likely out of that the running for Frank Vogel. Never say never. But the Charlotte Hornets, are they looking at Frank Vogel after James Borrego didn't get things done? Are they looking at the season Frank Vogel just had with the Lakers and saying, this is the guy that's going to push us to the next level? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe the Utah Jazz come on the market. That could be another team. Who knows? Maybe if Doc Rivers really does blow this 3-0 series lead, now that it's 3-2, uh, maybe he hits the market and the Sixers are looking for somebody, although Mike D'Antoni's been connected there if that job does become available. I don't see a landing spot for Frank Vogel. I still think he's a solid head coach, but I don't see a landing spot. I could see him going the assistant route, 
for a season or two and then pop up again as a candidate to be a head coach somewhere. I could also see him just say, you know what? This was so exhausting this season. I'm going to take a season off. I'm going to do what I've done in the past. I'm going to go visit a lot of different teams. I'm going to check in with a lot of different coaches. I'm going to do some networking. I'm going to work on my strategies and things like that and really come up with my basketball philosophies, make any adjustments that need to be made, and then hit it again next year. Remember, he's going to get paid by the Lakers next season. He doesn't have to take another job immediately. He still gets paid next season by the Lakers. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we ultimately see Frank Vogel do. So because of all those things, I don't think Frank Vogel is a head coach next season. Will he be a head coach at some point again? I think he will. I think he will at some point. Next season, I don't think so. Uh, Quinton from YouTube with a super chat, thank you, said, Jared Dudley, head coach. I think Jared Dudley wouldn't be a bad head coach at some point, but he's had one year as an assistant coach right now. He's probably going to need to get a little bit more experience. Now, again, I've talked about this. I don't think the Lakers should solely focus on guys who already have head coaching experience. I think they should look at some guys, widen that search, look at guys who have been assistants elsewhere and haven't had a chance to be an NBA head coach because I think we've seen a pretty solid track record of guys who have come up, been given a head coaching opportunity, and succeeded. You look at some of the playoff teams right now. That's the situation that they're in. So... I don't think the Lakers should shut themselves off from that type of scenario. I just don't know if Jared Dudley is necessarily that guy. Same thing with Rajon Rondo. I think both those guys can be very good head coaches at some point, but you probably want them to get a little bit more experience before you go there. I think a guy like a Darvin Ham is a little bit farther along in that process, and so he'd be a little bit more interesting to me than those guys. But I love Jared Dudley. Rajon Rondo, same thing. Not saying they'll be bad coach. I'm just saying you probably want them to get a little bit more experience as assistants first, but I'm very much on the train of you don't have to find a guy that's got head coach experience. If they've got a lot of experience as an assistant, I think that can be good enough. <laughs> Tardan said, is Penny Lane Blaine your wife? She shows up on, on Twitter. Her stuff shows up on my Twitter a lot. No, no, she's not. We are not related in any way, even though the last name thing, um, that's not actually her last name. That's just the last name of, of her podcast. No, just somebody that I've been, been helping out. That's all. Oh, let's see what else we've got here. Hey, Trevor, get Chris Dunn and Mo Bamba. So Mo Bamba will be a restricted free agent. So that complicates things. But on paper, sure. On paper, I'd be interested in, in going after him because of the ability to shoot from outside. I think that could make him an interesting fit with Anthony Davis in the Lakers offense. And of course, defensively, we know what he can do there. Uh, as far as Chris Dunn, okay. Yeah, I mean, kind of a, if we talk about three and D players, that's kind of what he is as a guard, except for the three part, but pretty good defensively. I wouldn't hate giving him a look. I don't know if he's necessarily your, your main answer, but I think the, the big picture solution at the point guard position for me, if I'm the Lakers, is I don't want a guy who feels like he needs to get all the minutes because we've seen this for two seasons now. We saw it with, with Dennis Schroeder. Now we saw it again with Russell Westbrook. It's just not working. Having these guys come in that need the ball in order to be effective when you've got LeBron James, you've got LeBron in most situations, almost every time, if you give the ball to Russell Westbrook, you give the ball to Dennis Schroeder, look, even if they make a good play, you're better off having the ball in the hands of LeBron James. And he's going to tire down. You need somebody who can fill in those moments, but you don't want somebody who feels like they need to be the guy and they need to be the guy running the offense and controlling things. I think that's key. So whoever it is that the Lakers get to be their 
backup point guard or run the point guard position. It needs to be somebody who is comfortable with not really running the show, with understanding that, look, the ball is going to be in LeBron's hands a lot because he's LeBron James and it should be in his hands a lot. But when LeBron's out, we need somebody who can competently run things. And when he's in, you're going to have to be okay with not having the basketball. And that's what you need. And that's why I don't think you look for a guy who sees himself as a starter in the NBA or sees himself as a key, key player, as a, a top dollar player. No, need, you need somebody who is perfectly okay with being a role player in the NBA. I'm sorry to invoke his name here, but you need like an Alex Caruso mindset. That's what you need. He talked about that, by the way, in an interview. I want to say it was a year or two ago. He talked about how the G League mindset is wrong for a lot of players because players go into the G League with this mindset of, oh, if I, I'm going to score 25 points a game in the G League and that's going to catch the attention of, of NBA teams. And Caruso says, well, it doesn't matter how many points you score in the G League. You're probably not going to do that at the NBA level. What they do need you to do is defend like crazy. What they do need you to do is rebound. They need you to communicate. They need you to box out. They need you to do all the dirty work. That's how you're going to stick in the NBA. That's the mindset the Lakers need. In, an, in another ball handler, whether it's one more ball handler, two more ball handlers, whatever it is, you need that mindset, not the, I need the ball. I need to get my points. I need to get my triple double. It doesn't make sense on the Lakers team that has LeBron because the ball is almost always better off in his hands. Uh, KB, oh, this is a good one. Trevor, we should go after TJ Warren with the mid-level exception. So right now it's the taxpayer mid-level. And I want to talk about the Russ salary situation in just a moment. But right now it's the taxpayer mid-level. So you're talking about about 6 million or so, in between five and 6 million. Is that enough to get TJ Warren? He's suffered a lot of injuries. Will the Lakers be a little bit gun-shy because of that? Maybe. And maybe rightfully so. I mean, look, we've seen two seasons in a row now drastically impacted by injuries for the Los Angeles Lakers. So a guy who's been injured for two seasons now, pretty tough to commit whatever it is that you've got, the bulk of what you've got to spend to that player. Look what happened last season. The Lakers took their taxpayer mid-level. They gave it to Kendrick Nunn. They felt great about it. A lot of teams around the NBA said, oh my gosh, how did the Lakers get this guy for this, for 5 million? Are you kidding me? You got Kendrick Nunn for that? And then he didn't play a single game. The Lakers, and I think rightfully so, are going to be a little bit nervous about going after anybody with a track record of injury. So I think that's a factor. If injury wasn't a concern, let's face it, TJ Warren's probably not available at that price tag. But skill set wise, sure. I like TJ Warren a lot. He was incredible in the bubble before he got hurt. He was going berserk. And then that injury, unfortunately, derailed him. And we haven't seen him since. So TJ Warren, um, I haven't seen much of him. So TJ Warren is definitely a guy that I'd be interested in, but I think the Lakers will probably pass if only just because of the injury situation. Mark, Mark, any Greg Popovich disciples for the Lakers head coach? Uh, I mean, sure, Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is a guy that you could turn to if the Jazz do part ways with him. I do believe the Mavs will finish off the Jazz, send them home. And I think at that point, we're going to see massive changes with Utah this summer. We're going to see a change of the head coach. I think we're also going to see this team broken up. What does that mean for Mike Conley? What does that mean for Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, on and on. I think we're going to see some major changes with the Utah Jazz. So maybe, maybe Quinn Snyder is the name you land on. But like a lot of fans have been telling me, Lakers Nation has been telling me, why do we want Quinn Snyder when he's proven time again that he can't get it done in the playoffs? It's a fair point. 
that's been the MO of this Jazz team for years now. It's been the team that can look pretty good in the regular season, can be a really tough team to play on a random Wednesday in January. But come playoff time, when teams have a chance to lock in on what you do, they fall to pieces and they go home early. Do you want that to be the head coach of your Lakers? Now, maybe that's a personnel thing. Maybe it's a Quinn Snyder thing. The Lakers decide it's a personnel thing. Maybe they give him a look. But I think that's the most likely Greg Popovich disciple That's um, that could be out there. Jason T. Oh, I like this. The theme for our roster next year. There's a great super chat. The theme for our roster next year should be humility. Basketball is fun when people can control their ego. Forget about stats and become a great defender. Didn't we see this early in the season? How many times did we see a Lakers team where it felt like they just kind of expected their opponent to go away? Like they, they expected, hey, look at the names we've got here. We've got LeBron, we've got Russ, we've got Anthony Davis, we've got Dwight Howard, we've got Carmelo Anthony. These guys are all Hall of Famers. Rajon Rondo at one point. You guys are just going to kind of go away. And then when teams didn't go away, it's almost like the Lakers were surprised. Surprised that teams were continuing to go after them. So can you get that mindset to go away? Can you rid yourself of that and get, as Jason T is saying, humility? team that gets after it, a team that realizes that teams are that opponents are going to come after them. Night in and night out, opponents are going to come after them. So you better be going 100 miles an hour the entire game if you want to get a win. And if not, you're going to lose and it's going to be embarrassing. And we saw a Lakers team that so many times this season didn't look like they really put forth the requisite effort to win. Like they just expected the opponent to roll over and say, here you go, here's the victory. Instead, we saw a Lakers team that every time they would get punched, and the Lakers would just go, oh, okay, no, you guys you guys clearly want this. Go ahead. You guys take the win here. We'll get it next time. Those losses to teams that they shouldn't have lost to added up. I say this a lot. The way that you deal with the NBA, the way you get through the season and finish in the spot that you want to finish in the standings, it's not by beating the best teams. As much as we focus on, oh, this is a big marquee matchup. This is a test to see how good this team really is. They're taking on the defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, winning that game is not how you get where you want to be in the standings. Does it feel good? Yeah. Do they matter? Absolutely. But in order to sit in the standings where you want to be, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You have to take that random Wednesday night and the second night of a back-to-back when the NBA puts the Houston Rockets in front of you. You have to get out there, step on their throat, take the win and say thank you and move on to the next one. That's what you have to do in order to find success in the standings, in order to finish in the playoffs. And that is what the Lakers absolutely did not do this season. So finding that, as Jason T says, finding that humility, it's going to be important to realize that, hey, we might have big names, but we need to get out here and get the win. And we need to respect our opponents, respect the game, and put forth the requisite effort. So I felt like there were too many times this season where the Lakers as a team, now again, not everybody on the team, we saw guys who went all out, but not the entire team did so, and that cost them this season. All right, guys, I am going to take a quick break here. I will come back and do a few more questions before we, before we call it a day. But I need to give you a message from one of our sponsors, Athletic Greens. This is a three-minute spot. Okay, so I will be back in three minutes. Check this out from Athletic Greens. Lakers Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 
because for me personally, I was interested in recovery. Number one, I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I, I run into, and I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1, but I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now, I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym, but the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking AG1. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my AG1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one place. Right now, time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, welcome back. Do you want to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook before we call it a night here and his player option for this season? So what we need to talk about here with Russ is... In this scenario, and I want to be careful here, in this scenario that he doesn't pick up his player option, what does that look like? And I want to make it very clear that this is not what I'm expecting to happen. This is not what anyone around the NBA is expecting. But again, Russ, is in his exit interview, um, did not say that he was picking up that option. He didn't. 
And he said, you know, he deflected the question, which is okay, that's fine. If he doesn't want to answer it at that moment, most around the NBA still assume he's picking up that player option. $47 million for a season. There's no chance at all he gets anywhere close to that on the market. But let's say, what if we live in fantasy land and Russ doesn't pick up that option for whatever reason? Let's say he just decides, you know what? I don't want to be traded somewhere. I want to decide where I'm going to go next. Uh, I want to decide where I'm going to play out the last few seasons of my career. Obviously, that's not going to happen if I'm traded. So I'd rather go and just be a free agent and get to pick where I'm going to go. Do I think that's smart? No. If I was Russ's agent, I'd be advising him, you pick up that option. You get traded. You influence that trade however you can to get to where you want to go. Worst case, you play out a year somewhere and then you hit free agency and you figure out where it is you want to go. That's what I would be saying because $47 million, it's a lot of money. But let's say for whatever reason, Russ declines that player option. What does the Lakers cap situation look like at that point? So I was looking at this. The Lakers would go if Russell Westbrook left. And I've had a lot of people asking me, would they then have $47 million to spend in free agency? No, because that's not how it works. The Lakers are an over-the-cap team. And while Russ leaving would drop them under the cap, it's not like they are exactly 47 million like the 47 million dollars is what exactly puts them over and they would suddenly have all that to spend puts them a dollar over or something no they are well over the cap losing russ's 47 million though it would give them right around and this will be it changes because of uh you've got some empty roster spot charges and things like that but you would have if russ decides to decline that player option you would have six players on the roster you'd have lebron ad tht the young kids winning gabriel austin reeves stanley johnson uh, so that would be your, be your team at that point. No Russ, you would have about $15 million to spend in free agency. Now, you'd be, again, a below-the-cap team. You wouldn't even be a luxury tax team. You'd be a below-the-cap team. So you could spend that $15 million. You would also have the room exception that you can use, which would probably be about 5 million that you'd be able to use once you do use up that space. And then from there, you'd have veteran minimums. So that would be your spending power. You wouldn't have max money to go after one of the top guys. Jalen Brunson, I think, is going to get paid this summer. That's a guy whose name is out there. Um, not, not connected with the Lakers. The Lakers aren't being connected with any of the top guys because people don't expect Russ to turn down that option. But if we do go down that path, the Lakers would suddenly have spending power to maybe split, maybe take that $15 million in in room that you've got, and you would split it between... I don't know, maybe it's Malik Monk and another guy, whoever it is that, that you go get with that money. Maybe it's Yusuf Nurkic. Maybe you go and you add some other pieces. You could divide it up between three players and then sign the rest of your rosters better minimums. So then you're looking at a team that could have, maybe you've got 10 players, nine players who are not on veteran minimums. And then you fill out the rest of your team with your veteran minimum guys that you go sign. And I'm not including Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Wendy Gabriel in that mix, even though functionally they're on minimum deals. I'm talking about you have another, say, three guys you go get in free agency and you operate as a below the tax or below the cap team. You wouldn't even be paying luxury taxes for that roster. So that's an option. That's one way you could build out the roster. If Russ decides, I'm not going to take that $47 million. Now, again, it is almost certainly not going to happen that way, okay? But if it happens, that's one way the Lakers could go with that money. The other thing you can do, though, is if you are now below the cap, which the cap's going to be right about 122, 123 million, if you've got, if you're $15 million below the cap, you now can absorb $15 million in salary. So then that opens up a whole new world of possibilities 
when you are executing a trade. Let's say you're trading THT, Kendrick Nunn. You could now take back an extra 15 million in salaries in order to help facilitate a deal. Maybe you do a three for two trade and you bring back three players that you think really fit better than THT and Kendrick Nunn do. Certainly they're guys that are better than what you can get out there on the free agent market. And then off you go. Maybe it's just one player. Maybe it's just one player that you're going after and you absorb some salary. You take on somebody who's disgruntled with their current team. It opens up a lot of possibilities. So we've been saying this for a while. If somehow, some way, Russell Westbrook decides, you know what? I'd rather be a free agent. I'm going to pass up $47 million. Money isn't everything. I'm moving on. The Lakers, you would be able to hear the celebratory screams coming from El Segundo all around the country because that would open up a lot of possibilities and a lot of flexibility for your Los Angeles Lakers. Now, again, I'm not expecting that to be the path that they go down, but I've had a lot of people asking me how much cap room would the Lakers have in that scenario? What would that look like? Again, they would have right around 15 million. Again, you would have some empty roster spot charges that would eat into some of it. It's not as simple as just saying, subtract the 47 million, then look at how far below the, the, the cap the Lakers are at that point. And then off you go, you've got those empty roster spot charges and things that you have to factor in. But again, be somewhere in the 15 million range, maybe 14, 13, somewhere in there when all the final numbers are tabulated and then off you go and you can go make some moves happen with that flexibility. I think it would be, if there's any way for that to happen, it would be far, far preferred to trading Russell Westbrook, to buying out Russell Westbrook, of course. If that could happen, the Lakers would be in a much, much, much better spot to build out this team moving forward. So once again, though, don't expect that to happen. It's not what I think anybody in their right mind would advise Russell Westbrook to do. But like I said, it seems like a no-brainer. And Russ, in his exit interview, would not say that that's what he was doing. He doesn't have to say. But like Kendrick Nunn, it's a no-brainer that he picks up his option. And he already said it in his exit inter interview. Yeah, I'm picking up that option. He didn't play last season. He's gonna. He's not going to get $5 million on the market. So he's going to take the, what, $5.2 million player option that he's got for the Lakers next season. I still think he can be a value on that deal if he's healthy. Big if there. But Russell Westbrook had the opportunity to do the same thing and just say, yep, I'm picking that up. And he did not. So again, 99.9%. .9%, sure, he picks up that player option. But just in case, I had a lot of people asking, so I wanted to address what that would look like in the event that Russell Westbrook does not pick up that option. Uh, Ricky said, what if the salary cap increased for the 2022-2023 season? That's with the salary cap increasing. That's with that increasing. My, my numbers there are with the cap increasing. Now, the thing to really look at though, what's really interesting. So the Lakers have right now a ton of cap room in 2023. Well, there's going to be a new TV deal coming. I believe it's in 2025 is when the, I'll have to double check, but it's either the 2024 or 2025 seasons. There's going to be a new TV deal coming in and it's expected to be massive. Look, a lot of people have gone to streaming. A lot of people are using YouTube TV, Hulu, whatever you're using. A lot of people have turned to streaming. They're not doing cable, but what a lot of people still want live is sports. That's the one thing. I mean, I love being able to go and binge watch a show and hey, I don't have time to watch this right now. I'm going to go watch it an hour from now. And it's not on at a specific time. That's great. Streaming's been fantastic for that. But, but people still want their live sports. So the TV deal for the NBA, the new TV deal is expected to be massive. And what that's going to create is kind of similar to a few years ago when we saw Kevin Durant wind up with the Warriors. It's going to create this huge spike in the salary cap. I expect there'll probably be cap smoothing, 
which means they will make it a gradual thing. The Players Association pushed back against that last time around, but I think it'll be a more of a smoothing situation this next go round where they'll make it more of a gradual increase, but the cap will go up significantly. Now that can be a negative thing too. Teams were so convinced that the cap was going to go through the roof and deals that were going to look horrible weren't really going to be all that bad. The next thing you know, Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov are getting huge deals because the Lakers and other teams did this too, overestimated how big of an increase this was going to be in terms of the impact on contracts. And next thing you know, you've got terrible deals. Remember, Lou Aldang doesn't even come off the Lakers books until July 1 this year. And it's been years since he's put on a Lakers jersey. So you got to be careful. There is a downside to this, but there's also going to be a situation where the cap grows significantly in the next few years. So if you take a contract that's really big this summer or even next summer in 2023, when the Lakers will have a lot of cap space, you could potentially overpay a guy. And at the conclusion of that deal, it'll actually look like a bargain because the cap's going to shoot up so much. Something to keep in mind, looking far in, into the future there, but just something to keep in mind when we look at stuff like that. All right, everybody. Here we are. The Lakers haven't played a game in weeks. We're at an hour and 10 minutes now of Lakers basketball talk in the offseason. Gotta love it. Lakers Nation, thank you guys so much for joining us. Once again, we'll be doing a Twitter Spaces tomorrow. I'll have the Lakers Nation crew joining us over on the Lakers Nation account. Planning on having that right around 1.30 Pacific time. So make sure you come check us out for that. And then on Friday, we'll do Fun Friday, 2 o'clock Pacific time. We'll kick off the weekend. We'll talk a little Lakers basketball, see what developments have, have taken place between now and then. So that's going to be our next live show. But I do hope to see you guys over on Twitter tuning in there. Don't forget to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. And once again, appreciate all the reviews we've been getting in. Of course, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Don't forget to turn on notifications as well. Until next time, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. Stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.